0: Today looking for Garza backside and for the first goal and landing it out of history from Yamil Assad. Take a look at history.
1: What's up, everybody? This is Joe Patrick, Dirty South Soccer here. Uh really excited to bring you guys. There's a short little interview I did with John Strong this morning. I really got to thank. Him, the Fox Sports communications team for setting this up and being flexible with me because we had to kind of do this around my own uh, day job work schedule. So really appreciate them. And unfortunately, we didn't get as deep as I would have liked to go in some of these topics. But I think you get some top-line viewpoints from John in the lead-up to uh, this this Atlanta United-Nashville game on Saturday. So hope you guys enjoy the interview. But before we get into it, just wanted to remind you guys that uh, all episodes of Five Stripe Final and all episodes of Mouths of the South – are brought to you by Lucid FC. FC stands for footwear and clothing, if you're this is, if this is your first time listening. They sell really cool clothes. I wear them, honestly, all the time. They they kind of hooked me up with some stuff uh, when we first met to start this partnership, and I just end up wearing it all the time. In fact, in the room right next to me, I'm at work now, and uh, there's a jacket there uh, that is Lucid FC. So I'd recommend you guys check it out. Go to lucidfc.us, and they've got a new line out uh, that looks pretty cool. And the special news of the day in regards to Lucid FC is that you can now get free shipping. Uh, If you use DSS code at checkout, you will get free shipping. And you can be cool. You can be cool like Miles Robinson, who has been a partner with Lucid FC in the past. Rihanna's even modeled their clothes before. And they're really cool guys. You know, you you, you just know that if you purchase anything from Lucid FC, you're buying from a local company based right here in Atlanta. They also have offices in NYC and London. But I've met the guys, family, business, really cool stuff. So uh, with that out of the way, let's get right on into the interview with John Strong. Happy to be joined once again by John Strong, Fox Sports' lead soccer play-by-play announcer, who will be calling the Atlanta United-Nashville game this Saturday at 8 p.m. Eastern time. John, if, you, if you're if you not aware, John joined us on the show around last October, November, ahead of Atlanta United's Toronto FC uh, match in the Eastern Conference Final with along with Stu Holden. John, thanks for uh, joining on the show again this morning.
0: Yeah, John, I mean, that was uh, that was the morning of the Eastern Conference Final, which was the day before Halloween, and, and it is a testament to, you know, how different the schedule is now. Everything got compacted a fair bit. I mean, it's been a long offseason for, for all but Seattle and Toronto. I mean, and even though Atlanta is one of the teams that got into CCL action, I, I think all of us are – you know, pent up and ready to roll a, a, an extra month worth of sitting around, not getting to call or watch or play MLS games. And so very, very excited to, uh, to get this 25th MLS season underway here in pretty short order.
1: Yeah. That CCL, the CCL games have kind of been like an appetizer to the main course is kind of what it feels like, but I do want to catch up with you on those CCL games because I was listening to your voice over my TV about 12 hours ago, calling that, that thrilling L- LAFC, uh, Leon, um, Match. I want to just get your opinion on how that went down. And just in general, the success that MLS has had this year in the competition was seeing what five teams go through to the next round. Only Seattle dropping out. Is this uh, maybe a marker for, for where this league is going in this competition?
0: Well, number one is to say, yeah, it sort of feels like we're back at the World Cup in Russia. Call a game, go fly overnight, call a game, go fly overnight, and go from there. Uh, It was a lot of fun. I mean, uh, did I really think LAFC were going to do it? No. I mean, they could. It's always a possibility. It's LAFC. It's CONCACAF. I actually thought that they were going to, you know, in falling short, we were going to look back at all the chances LAFC missed in the first half. You know, and I was sort of half expecting, even at 3-0, they concede in the 90th minute and the away goals, tiebreaker sends them out so for them to do that it's a huge accomplishment it's a great night it's a great moment um you know listen it is important for us is the honest reality that lafc have done that because there's so much energy attention and momentum with that team in la and nationally and so to 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 keep them alive in this competition is very good for us now as far as going forward you know i hesitate a little bit because this same thing happened last year that mls teams were very successful in the round of 16 and we went Straight from now, we weren't calling the games, but but straight after, you know, the, the same date of the calendar, we're, we're at MLS opening weekend in Seattle last year. They were hosting Cincinnati and we were going to have Don Garber on the MLS commissioner at halftime. And we had a league official emailing Stu and I and talking to us at the stadium. Hey, make sure you talk about how well we're doing at CCC it's a big turning point all these things and i i just said like I, i've called enough ccl i've seen this enough i don't want to do that i don't want to hype it up too much because there's a long ways to go and what happened all but one of those mls teams went out and kansas city got to the semi-final and that was it there's a long way to go here and, and it's not going to mean this much I don't think for LAFC what they accomplished against Leon, if they just crash out to Cruz Azul, uh, Atlanta is not going to be happy going out of the quarterfinal to Club America, um, you know, and New York City as well. I mean, that's a thing. It's so, so there's a long way still to go, but certainly there are markers of continued success that that these MLS teams. It's not like a couple years ago doing these games where they go down to Central America and they just have no clue what to do. Um, that, that that the different types of players that are in MLS the the better experience that the younger domestic-based players, I mean, you know, Tristan Blackman didn't look out of place playing against the, the second-place team in Mexico right mm-hmm. now, so those sorts of things are good but there's still a long ways to go in, in the competition this year, let alone sort of picture historical trends of MLS versus League of
1: Yeah, I think you're right. I think it sets up for a lot of intrigue in, in the quarterfinals to see really if, if some of these teams can clear the bar. Obviously, Atlanta fans know they fell short to Monterey in a, a tie that was, I guess it kind of looked competitive after it was over. But after after the first leg with it being 3-0, it was kind of done and dusted. So uh, anyway, it will be very interesting to hear how that all, or see how that all plays out in the next round, which we're all looking forward to. But in the immediate future, we're all looking forward to tomorrow where Atlanta United opens their MLS season against National SC. I want to talk to you before we talk about the actual game itself. I want to just discuss anything you've experienced. I don't know if you've actually been to the stadium or, or been around uh, any of the executives or, or just officials from the team, but I'm just wondering what you're hearing and what you're anticipating from Nashville in terms of what the spectacle is going to be like on Saturday. Obviously, Atlanta fans know, kind of still recall that feeling of having playing their first MLS game at home. I'm just wondering what you're expecting from it.
0: Well, I mean, yeah, as far as this trip, we've we've quite literally just arrived overnight from L.A. via Atlanta, interestingly enough, in, in here in Asheville, and we're going to head. I, I can actually see Nissan Stadium from my hotel room. Uh, we're going to head over there next and, and go to practice. And, you know, what we have seen is and what we have heard is the 50,000 tickets sold, which, you know, listen, it is a testament to how much Atlanta has, has obliterated expectations and and obliterated reality with the types of crowds that they have drawn, that we're talking about an MLS game in February, selling fifty thousand tickets in Nashville, Tennessee, and we're sort of like, oh yeah, okay, fine. Like that's not a big deal anymore. That that they've done that. Um, you know, we've been to Nashville a couple times for national team games. I remember at the Gold Cup in twenty seventeen when it was really there was a lot of there was a big push behind let's show MLS we deserve an expansion team. Huge crowd, great atmosphere. Uh, it was somewhat more muted last summer, but but the Gold Cup in general was somewhat more muted. I think one of the big things that excites me about being here is Nashville has a very distinct culture, as does Miami. And and Nashville has something special as a city and stands out in a way that, you know, there's some other cities in MLS that aren't necessarily as distinctive. Um, and their ability, some of the things that they've tried to do, you know, Judah and the Lion writing a, a, you know, sort of a, an anthem song, um, a, a Gibson guitar that a local musician's going to do a riff on pregame. Uh, they're going to do a thing where the the broadcast call of the first goal is going to be printed onto a gold record and that'll be given to the player who scored that goal. Little nods to Nashville's culture and history and stuff that, you know, at first I mean, I remember that first game in Atlanta. A, that we were shocked that they had sold so many tickets and Bobby Dog was sold out. B, we were further shocked that there was such a carnival scene around it. And C, that stuff, you know, like the golden spike that at first you're like, wait, what? <laughs> but but those things become a part of the culture and, and they become important because the fans own them and 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 everyone buys into it and so um it it is very exciting and it is a testament to again to what atlanta has done and i was fully in the camp before atlanta of soccer's not going to work in a big city like atlanta it's not going to work in the south and now It can work anywhere, and here we are in Nashville, Tennessee, and and why isn't it going to work and going to have success? It's a long road, both on and off the field. It it builds over time. Even Atlanta has built over time, but uh, I'm I'm excited to just sort of soak it in and and view it, but also understand it's going to continue to grow and evolve over the course of this season and and obviously over the course of, of the next few years.
1: Yeah, you know, it's interesting. It's funny that you mentioned the whole the the golden record and stuff like that because I was at work last night. I work in sports radio, and uh, we had some members from one of the Atlanta United supporters groups in yesterday, and they were. I got to chatting with them after the interview, and they were talking about how cool it was to hand the the golden spike to to certain players on the team who won them and stuff like that. And it's just really cool for the fans to have. An experience like that where they have a personal interaction with a player especially immediately following a game uh it's just something you don't get in a lot of other leagues and i think it's something that is really great that mls is and and, and its clubs are just kind of pushing that initiative i, I do want to turn to the field though because obviously that's where uh it's it's very important for atlanta who has not yet won uh any of their league openers since they've establish themselves as a club in MLS Um, but I want to talk about Nashville I want to get your thoughts on Gary Smith the team he's assembled and what to expect from them on the field
0: well and, and you bring up an interesting point there. The the opening night of a show is not indicative of how the run's gonna go because, you know, we sort of forget Atlanta for all their success, you know, they blew a lead in the last fifteen minutes of that first ever home game against the New York Red Bulls, let alone the other season openers they've lost at different circumstances. And, you know, history tells us that expansion teams tend to lose and, and tend to look like they don't quite belong yet on opening night. What history also tells us is that expansion teams tend to win that first home game often when they've gotten their noses bloodied on the road. You know, even Cincinnati last year, for all their struggles, you know, people might remember that that they, they took the lead in Seattle and got mowed down the rest of the game. They then got that late draw in Atlanta against an Atlanta team that was trying to get its engine rolling under Frank DeBoer. Then they came home and they blasted the Portland Timbers, who were just a mess at the beginning of last season. And so the opening few weeks of an MLS season can be kind of wonky. And, and you know, I, I hesitate to jump to any particular conclusions, no matter how good Atlanta are on paper and how much of an unknown Nashville are. I think it's a better constructed team than Cincinnati uh, or than Minnesota. Ondubal Godoy, Dax McCarty, Walker Zimmerman—quality players. I, I've always felt Joe Willis is a better goalkeeper than he, than he tends to get credit for. Um, I don't know where the goals are going to come from necessarily. Haney Mukhtar, their designated player. You know, very highly touted as a young player. This is an opportunity for his second chance at a career. Um, you know, we have heard that that some, you know, someone like a David Akam, same thing, had just this wonderful success, and it all sort of turned sideways on him. But he and a few other guys you know are they playing with a bit of a chip on their shoulder do they feel like they have something to prove unwanted somewhere else that's why they're here in nashville as part of an expansion team can that make them dangerous Uh, you mentioned gary smith different to other coaches who have come up from USL with their teams, and it, it, that has not tended to go very well. He's got the prior MLS experience. He won an MLS Cup a decade ago with Colorado. He's he's a sort of a classical English, defensive-minded, fairly straightforward coach, at least in his prior MLS experience. Uh, it's certainly true that his Nashville teams in USL the last two years have had the best defensive records in the league. Not that that always has much of a correlation. Cincinnati were lights out in USL. They really struggled last year. But... I think this is a team that's going to focus on not conceding 70 goals in a season like minnesota did i think it's a nashville team that's going to focus on can they be in games and can they be in contention as deep into the season as possible but it is such an unpredictable unknown with both teams going into tomorrow night that i really hesitate to jump to any particular conclusions and just sort of sit back and see what happens there's a good argument on paper to make for atlanta winning comfortably there's a good argument to make on paper for nashville uh, having a really special night and get a w
1: yeah, that that's great insight. I've always kind of been when you when we look at these roster builds that some of these uh, these expansion teams have had, I'm kind of of the opinion, opinion that you can buy quality defensive players, which is what some of these teams have wanted to do. But you really, in order to be a good defensive team, you need a coach that can bring it all together. And I think that Gary Smith, you know, when you talked about his MLS pedigree, having won an MLS Cup, I think he's got those credentials, and I think he's going to get this team straightened out. Don't know if it happens in this first game, but uh, it's going to be interesting to see. I think that they have they've done a really good job of just building that spine out with a lot of experience and guys who can also kind of be coaches on the field that's something that Frank DeBoer has talked about with some of his players like Jeff Lorenowitz he wants him on the field so he can be kind of that coach that manifestation of the coach on the field I think that a guy like Dax McCarty uh could potentially be that guy so it'll be interesting to see how it plays out but I do want to get your thoughts before we get out of here on Atlanta um they've had kind of a what it was interesting because the offseason started off really, really slow for them. I, I think everybody was anticipating a lot of big moves made by by the team in terms of the roster construction. And it wasn't really happening until about the turn of the new year. And then things kind of went crazy. Obviously, Darlington Nagby went out early, but then the Julian Gressel deal happened. You know, they've lost a lot of... Experience A lot of minutes. You know, you look at Leandro Gonzalez-Perez and Julian Gressel were two of the, the, the players who had the most caps in Atlanta United history. They're both gone. Lots of overhaul on the roster. Will it work?
0: You know, it was the, the first thing that stood out to me doing my prep for Atlanta this week. Of the 12 players that saw the field in the Eastern Conference Final, six of them are gone. And significant players. And I think it's easy. Some You know, you, you, you spit it right well Julian Gressel he wanted this big number and we didn't feel he was worth that well Leandro Gonzalez Perez he did that these were foundational pieces of this team uh, and Michael Parkhurst, another, he wasn't playing as much down the stretch, but guess what? Miles Robinson gets banged up. Parkhurst comes into the team and, and you know, no one blinks uh, out of turnover this year. And, and it's funny because last year, not much really changed. It was just the coach and the most influential player that changed. And so a lot changed in that way. In, in coming into this season, you're not having a big system overhaul you're not necessarily having that one key influential guy changing out, but a lot of bodies are different. And so exactly to your point, what is that going to look like for Atlanta this year? The pressure's on Frank, Debore. Um last year, you could sort of say, well, it's his first year. It's a work in progress. And you know, you you win two trophies but you lose at home having led uh in the eastern conference final did it feel successful or not It's sort of a subjective thing and again as i said earlier where they've obliterated all of our expectations for what success isn't in, uh, in in their first three seasons now that pressure is that much more so on and so you know before tuesday night i would have said hmm this this could be interesting this could be a bit of a slow burn But then I watched P.T. Martinez on Tuesday night, and then I heard his comments after the game about my head was not in the right place last year, but I think you're going to see the P.T. that everyone expects now. And I go, okay, if this guy's going to be dialed in, if this guy's going to be the best version of himself, he already has – as many goals and assists in two games this season as he had in 19 last year. It took him until June to get to two goals and two assists in all competitions. Now we're talking. Uh, and if you can get back to that Ezekiel Barco that we saw right before the U20 World Cup, but it was like, oh, this is, this is what they paid the, the then record transfer fee for defensive side of things that might be a work in progress midfield you lose a lot with Darlington Nagby he did a lot of very good things and so that'll be a work in progress as well Brad Guzan is a fascinating thing because you know what Zach Steffen's got some injury issues there's Mm -hmm. there's, Brad Guzan might still have a lot to say for the U.S. men's national team let alone the, the really good success he had a career year last year career high shutouts and so but if Atlanta can get cooking with that front three on the, I think it was only about 12 or 14% of the total minutes at MLS last year that Barco, PT and Joseph were on the field together for various reasons. If those three can be consistent and can be the best version of themselves, watch out. And that. That's where I say, you know, Tuesday night really was like, okay, this is this could be really something here for Atlanta. Are we going to see the best of it tomorrow night? I'm not too worried about that. Um, but over the course of the season and sort of building into the year with a lot of these new faces and and you know trying to get guys visas and you've got players banged up and all this different stuff, you know, it, it, it might really get everything cooking. But if PT Martinez is the South American player of the year, guy that was playing in Copa Libertadores finals, guy that broke the 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 previous record for an incoming transfer fee plus Joseph Martinez, that could be a really, really dangerous team for Atlanta this year, as opposed to last year where you just always got the sense this is not the best version of what this team could be.
1: Yeah, it's it's really interesting you mentioned that because I was actually just working on a story for MLSSoccer.com dot com that I, I just sent over to them uh, prior to our conversation here, and I Pity and Barco combined for nine goals and twelve assists last year, which Carlos Gil, Carlos Gill uh, beat them out in not both enough. categories by himself. So um, yeah, it's not enough, and I think that they're definitely going to need that production out of those guys this year because they don't have the Darlington Nagbies and the Julian Gressels who overperform their salary budget charge. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out. But, John, I thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us this morning. We'll, we're all excited to hear you uh, on the call tomorrow if, if we're not in the stadium. So thanks so much for taking the time.
0: Joe, thank you. I appreciate it. And, the, yeah, we we couldn't be more excited to to be – Here in Nashville for the opener, prime time on a Saturday night on the Fox Network. It it really is the best platform uh, for an opening weekend MLS has had for a very long time. So we're excited to be a part of it.
1: Once again, thanks to John Strong for joining me this morning. Hope you guys enjoyed the conversation and you can catch him and Stu Holden on the call for Nashville SC versus Atlanta United on Saturday. That game kicks off at 8 p.m. Eastern time. It's on the Big Fox, not Fox Sports or any of the regional networks. It's on the Big One. So you'll next hear from Sam and I after the game, and maybe we'll have a special guest who knows what might crop up, but you'll hear us for your Monday morning commute after the game. So you can, we can recap everything that went down in the game and it should be a fun one to dissect. So until then we will see you guys next time.